Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. This week we have a highlight message by Tom and Jane Hammond entitled Receive the Prophet's Reward. We are excited to host our Align with Your Assignment conference this weekend. Don't miss joining us in Dudley for Emma Stark, James Vincent and Trevor Baker, 14th to the 16th of March. Visit our website for full details. Wow, can we give the leadership here just a wonderful hand, the worship team, what a powerful release God has brought here in this house, and uh, we bring the double portion anointing this morning a little bit, amen. We got married some 37 years ago, and God hooked us up for destiny, and to bring a double portion into the earth of God's purposes, and you're getting it all the way this morning from South Africa to America, the double portion coming right in here to the UK, Uh, but you know, as we were worshiping, wasn't that wonderful presence of the Lord, and God was just imparting his heart to us, and I just heard the word of the Lord. If you don't mind just lifting your hands, just as a sign of receiving what God is decreeing right now. And the Lord says, sons and daughters of mine, this is a time that I am decreeing your victory. For surely I have chosen this moment even to draw you close to me that in my presence, I might begin to bring the liberty that I have promised to you. And so I'm going down to the very root of some issues and I'm dealing with the assignment of even a condemnation and shame and even pain that tried to bind you up in a previous season and I'm beginning to break those chains and I'm beginning to loose my life inside of you in a new and a real way that you might have hope for transformation in this hour. I'm breaking off every lie of limitation that the enemy has brought against you as a weaponry and I'm lifting your eyes up to see the reality of how I see you and I'm going to open up your heart in this hour to the promise of my purpose, my decree, and my life over you. And you're stepping into a new season of freedom, says the Lord. And the freedom I'm decreeing is going to have the capacity to be able to break uh, that loop, that kind of memory, that thing that wanted to replay again and again in your mind, even in the night. I want you to know I hit the button erase across you, and those things will not come and haunt you again and again. If you have faith today, my daughter, if you have faith today, my son, I will erase those very memories in a way that they won't haunt you again from this day forward, but you will see that I will replace them even with my word and with my love, with my grace, but more than that, with a word of victory and overcoming anointing. And so lift your head high for my glory is upon you and I shall cause you to arise and shine in a way that is my grace release in your life, says the Lord. Just give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Well, I came uh, with my wife uh, this time, been to uh, the UK many times, but I came here because uh, I knew I needed to make sure that I could defend myself, and whatever story she may have told about me, uh, just to say that uh, if she ever says uh, her seven grandchildren, it's really our seven grandchildren, uh, but uh, just uh, it's a pleasure for us to co-labor and work together. How many know uh, that you were made to operate in a place called the glory. Turn to somebody and say, you were made to live in the glory. 
And what I found is that if you take a fish out of water, you know what? All they do is flop and gasp for, for breath. If you take a bird that's meant to fly and put them on the ground, all they do is kind of shuffle around and peck at the ground like a chicken. Uh, but when you put them in the atmosphere they were made to operate in, they are beautiful. They are glorious. They are amazing. Those fish swim and do things. The, the birds fly in the air. And you were made to operate in a place called the glory. In fact, you know what? Everything looks better in the glory. So turn to somebody and say, wow, you're looking better already. Amen. <laughs> and let me just say this. Uh, I felt the, the Lord say to the church in this last season, he was saying, it's time for my church to receive a divine upgrade. Turn to somebody and say, you look like you could use an upgrade. No, okay, don't say no, that. No, don't say don't that. Say that. Don't, say <laughs> don't say that. Um, <laughs> Husbands I, will get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> she's here to, to keep me straight, right? Uh, but no, I believe God is bringing a divine upgrade to the church. On the day of Pentecost, the church went into the upper room one way, but they left with an upgrade in the anointing, and the Spirit of God began to rest upon them, and a boldness began to be loosed. And so the Lord said, just like you like all of those devices, you know, you love technology, we like the the uh, iPhone, the iPad, I watch, I don't watch, I do, I don't, whatever it is. We have these wonderful devices, but how many know uh, there's a couple of things you got to know. You got to know you have to keep them charged up. Otherwise, quickly they become just a paperweight. They don't do you any good. About the time you want to communicate, about the time you need the power that could be in that smartphone, they're not very smart because they just are now not charged. That's why we come into the presence of the Lord. That's why we come to church. That's why we take that time to pray in the mornings and other times because we're always wanting to keep charged up so it's there and ready for use when we need it for whatever we need to do. But then there's also these things that happen is now and again you get this notification on your phone that says, an upgrade is available. And I believe that God's saying to the church in this hour, an upgrade is available. And whenever you get that notification, you've got to make a decision. Am I willing to take the time and the effort or whatever I need to do to be able to receive and, and download into my system that which wants to be loose? In order for that to work, you first have to connect somewhere called the cloud. The glory cloud, right? Or the WWW, the worldwide wisdom of God, right? You got to connect up to heaven and you got to make your request made known and say, I want everything that you're outpouring, God. I want to be on the cutting edge. I don't want to be left behind the times. I want to be ahead of the curve. I want to be right in the middle of how you are moving in my generation. And so we have to hook up to heaven. And then you have to answer this question that says, do you agree to all the terms and conditions? How many read all the terms and conditions? All right, no liars here today. Praise God. Uh, because the truth of it is probably none of us do, and if we did, we wouldn't understand, right? It would be a mystery unless you're some kind of major technology lawyer or something. You would not understand what's written. What we do is we check that box and we say, yeah, I don't know if I know everything that's required and I don't know everything it's going to take, but I do know I want the upgrade. And so we check the box with God and we say, we don't understand. It's a mystery. We don't understand everything we're going to get, but I'm going to hook up to heaven. And then it says, don't disconnect until everything is loosed into you so that you can get everything that God has in mind for you. And so can you just lift up your hands toward heaven? Because it also says this, that you will not see the upgrade installed until you hit the reset 
reset button. And so, God, we're connecting and we're allowing a download from heaven to begin to be loosed into our life. And we are saying we want all of it and we want it to be finished so that we can be changed. But, God, also that we're willing to go higher. We're willing to operate on a new operating system. But it will not happen until we hit the reset on our heart, the reset on our faith, the reset on our expectation, the reset on our love, the reset on our service. And so, Father, we're saying now that we want the download to fill us up. We don't understand everything we're getting when we get it, but we know when it's done, we're going to operate with greater power. We're going to have a greater accuracy and clarity. We're going to have a greater ability to be able to do what we could not do before. Our operating system is going to a whole new release upon our life. And so, God, when you say an upgrade is available, our ears are listening, our eyes are looking, and we're allowing the download of heaven to come into our life. We're hitting the reset button, and we're going to that new level of operation. Every malware, every corrupted file, every virus, every Trojan, every false thing is getting flushed out so that we can operate on a whole new day with a whole new mantle. Just give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah! We receive it. We receive it. We're walking in it, and it is ours in Jesus' name. Turn to somebody and say, wow, you look more anointed already. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody say upgrade. Amen. Well, it's so wonderful to be back here with you again. Um, I, I think that every time I've come, it's been during your winter season. Does the weather change during the summer? Okay. <laughs> I think I've been here in November and January and February. So um, uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here, though. We really, really love coming. My husband and I have been coming to the UK for about 20 years. And I have a funny story to tell you about the, one of the first times that we came. Uh, we were actually coming in to, um, to, to uh, London, to Westminster. We were ministering in the uh, uh, Prayer for Parliament meetings, uh, St. Mary's Undercroft, and uh, going in and doing different strategic prayer things um, down in your, down in, uh, your government buildings. And uh, when we first arrived, they gave us an address and basically told us we could take a, a cab to the address or we could take the tube. Well, we're Americans. We love the tube, okay? You guys know Americans are kind of crazy about riding a tube. We don't have subways where we're from. So anyway, we jumped on the tube and uh, we were carrying our big American luggage because you know Americans always overpack. Um, we were carrying our big American luggage and the people that are driving our car can't say anything right now about how heavy our luggage is, okay? Um, anyway, we were dragging our luggage and we got off the tube. We were walking several blocks to the home that we were going to be staying in. We were staying in somebody's flat down in Westminster. And uh, we saw Tesco. So we ran into a Tesco and we bought a few things that we needed, that we just needed to have while we were here. And uh, so we're carrying a couple of Tesco bags and dragging our big heavy suitcases. When we arrive at the flat of the people that are putting us up, uh, for that week, which we later learned as we walked through the door were Lord and Lady Sainsbury. <laughs> and we had our two big Tesco bags in our hands, okay? And uh, uh, Susie Sainsbury, who's been a friend, she comes over, she says, let me just take that from you. Now, we didn't, we didn't really have a clue what, was, what that was about, but she just said, let me take that from you. And she took them in the other room, and we never saw our bags again. <laughs> And the next morning, we actually found a note, a 20-pound note on the counter 
with a with a, a handwritten note that said, "Please shop at Sainsbury's next time." Okay. A few days later, we were in the British Museum and we're looking around, and on the wall is donated by Lord and Lady Sainsbury, donated by the Sainsbury family. Don't and we went, "Oh, we're in such bad trouble." Okay. <laughs> but you know, we have been coming. We love this this nation. We love this land. And I really did feel just to share with you this morning that um, probably 10, 12 years ago, when we were coming in and we were probably coming at times, three, four times a year, um, in to pray for the nation, pray for your land. We actually brought at one point 60 teenagers in, and we basically did 24-7 prayer from north to south in the UK, just interceding for this nation, because we feel like our nations have a hooked-together destiny. And uh, and so we really felt just to sow into this land and to pray into this land. But uh, at one of the uh, Prayer for Parla- Parliament meetings, I prophesied something that I probably did not understand culturally what I was prophesying, but I said this. I said, the Lord says, I am getting ready to restore the sovereignty of Great Britain. I'm getting ready to reconnect your sovereignty so that I can reconnect you to the spiritual inheritance of all those that have been sent from this nation with the spirit of revival, with missions, and with reformation. For this nation has been used to touch the nations of the earth with anointing of revival. You know, all the great mission moves have come out of this nation. Come on, all the great revivals and awakenings have come out of this nation. And the Lord said, as I restore your sovereignty, so I'm going to begin to remove a veil that's been over this nation. And I'm going to reconnect you to your inheritance of revival and to your inheritance of reformation. And the Lord says, you're going to see revival break out from north to south and from east to west. Amen. This was probably about 12 years ago. Now, I have to say, as an American, we probably really didn't understand what I just said. Because we did not understand what was getting ready to happen just that has happened in the last couple of years uh, with, with Brexit. And I know you're still in the middle of it. And so I really felt like the Lord just wanted me to say to you this morning, do not be afraid. Okay, I know that this is kind of a charged political issue, and I'm not trying to jump in there and try to tell you in any way what to think about it, but I felt the Spirit of the Lord just say, do not be afraid. There's been something that God has been planning, and the end result, the end goal is to restore this land as one of the fountains of reformation and revival that will once again touch the nations of the earth. And for whatever reason, under the old structure, that wasn't going to happen, and I just, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I really felt like the Lord said, this is going to be a time of prayer, a time of alignment, a time of uh, really stepping into the throne room of God and getting getting a hold of heaven for your nation. I feel like a challenge and a charge to you to really keep the next four weeks in your prayers, to really keep a focus, to just pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done here in Great Britain, even as it is in heaven. Amen. How many would agree that that can be your prayer? Amen. You may not know politically how to, how to exactly how to pray this. You may not know how to pray for a solution, but we can all pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done here in this nation as it is in heaven. Amen. And I'll make you a deal. We'll pray for your country if you'll pray for our country. Because our country needs a lot of prayer right now. All right. Listen, as we were coming into this new Hebraic year 5779, I heard the Lord say something and I'm going to kind of uh, uh, 
cover a couple of topics this morning, um, but I heard the Lord say that the church across the globe has entered into a season where he's taking us out of survival into revival. Now, this is revival fire, so I just think it's only appropriate that I share this with you, okay? Now, listen, if you feel like personally you've been in a place of survival, I want to say survival is good. Come on, when you're in a hard time, when you're facing a trial, when you're having a difficult season in your life, survival is good. But we were never meant to live in survival mode. We were never meant to live with a survival mentality. And I feel like we're coming into a season where God's saying, I'm taking my people out of a surviving mentality, a mentality where you barely get by, a mentality where you barely feel just enough of the presence of God to let you know that he's there. And I believe the Lord's saying he's bringing us into an outpouring. He's bringing us into revival. I know this has been a house of revival and I can just see the sparks, the flame, of revival sprouting and burning bursting into a full flame over this next season of time but it's going to start as God allows that to burst forth in each and one of us amen how many want to allow God to just burst forth his revival inside of us Amen. Now, when the Lord begins to say things like revival I know we kind of all have a little bit of a frame of reference this having been a house of revival and outpouring. But I just want to say, I believe that what God's getting ready to do is not really going to look like revivals of the past because God says, I'm going to do a new thing. Amen. And so in looking at that, I, I love words. I love to go in and I love to, to, to take the words that God speaks to me and really get in there and look them up. Um, I, I, have, I have friends in my church that kind of help me process uh, some of the things that the Lord says to me. And um, there's this one man that, that was helping me process something and he kind of just takes it. He's kind of this computer geek, computer engineer, genius. He does something. I have no idea what it is that he does because when he tries to explain it to me, it kind of sounds like, wah, wah, like Charlie Brown's mother. Do you see Charlie Brown over here? And her voice sounds like, wah, 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 wah. well, that's what it happens whenever somebody strike, tries to speak technology to me, okay? It sounds like, wah, wah, wah. so I have no idea what he does. Something with computers. But when he speaks to me, I tease him, and I, I, I jokingly say he speaks blonde to me. <laughs> Forgive me all the blondes, okay? I do like to tell blonde jokes because I say two things. I say, number one, I know I'm not stupid, and number two, I know I'm not blonde, okay? So I, I can tell blonde jokes, all right? So all the blondes got that one, okay? So anyway, so when, I, when I, I, I talk to this and whenever God speaks a word, I like to take it and break it down. So we all kind of have this concept of what revival is in bringing a spiritual awakening. How many are believing that God is going to bring a spiritual awakening to your own family? How many are believing that God's going to bring a spiritual awakening to Dudley? to your city, wherever it is that you're from. See, the difference between a revival and an awakening is that many times revivals are very localized, okay? They, they happen in a church or they happen in just one location. But God is saying, I don't want you to just have a revival mentality. I want you to have an awakening mentality because God is reawakening the spirit of awakening in this land, 
Come on. The first great awakening started right here, right here in this land. And God's saying, I'm reawakening the spirit of awakening. In the second great awakening, Charles Finney said this. He said, a revival touches the heart of a man, but an awakening touches the heart of a nation. How many are believing that God's going to touch the heart of your nation? He's going to touch the heart of your city. And so we're very familiar with the concept of spiritual awakening as one of the definitions of revival. But I want to just broaden that out just a little bit more because the word revival also means to bring back to life consciousness, vigor, strength, and vitality. Come on, God wants to revive us. God wants to raise things from the dead inside of us. Come on, God wants to speak over our cities and, and begin to breathe upon the dry bones and bring dry bones back to life. Come on, God wants to begin to say, I'm bringing life where there's been death. I'm bringing light where there's been darkness. I'm bringing deliverance where there's been bondage. God is declaring that is part of revival. Now, I, I was actually uh, down in London uh, last February, just a little over a year ago, and uh, I'd been ministering for uh, Dr. Sharon Stone. I was up with, uh, with Emma Stark up in Glasgow and then flew down to, uh, to be with Dr. Sharon Stone. And after we did all the ministry, I had a friend with me that was, had never been to London before. And so I was taking her around. We did all the tourist things all the things that you guys probably would, don't want to do, but we still do them. Okay, we bring, we bring all the tourist dollars in because I've seen the Tower of London probably more than the British have, okay? Because we just keep going whenever we bring somebody new. Anyway, we'd done all the things during the day, and that night we decided that we were going to go to a play. We decided we were going to go to something on West End. And so we went in, and we started looking for what was available in tickets, and I said, I said you know, what do you have? And, and I saw the poster on the wall. That, that said Les Mis. Well, Les Mis is one of my favorites. I think it's a beautiful picture of law versus grace. Go back and see it again now that I've said that, okay? And uh, anyway, we, it, we, uh, we went in and I said, can we get tickets? And the lady said, oh no, I'm sorry. Um, all the tickets are sold out. And then right when she said that, two tickets popped up on the screen. She says, oh, Look at that. Two tickets just popped right up. I have two tickets available. They're right down, right in the center, five rows back, right, bam, in the center. I was like, yes, Lord, okay, we'll do that. So we grabbed our tickets and we went off and we watched the amazing, amazing performances. And at the very end of the performance, uh, we were getting ready to leave and a pair, there was a lot of commotion uh, on the, the two rows as we were trying to make our way out because apparently in the second half of the 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 theater, the second half of the musical, a man that was sitting in the row behind us, five seats down, died during the second half of the play. He had no pulse, he had no breath, he had, he, he had no heartbeat, his, uh, uh, his eyes were fixed and staring, and they were shaking him, he wouldn't wake up, he was, he was gone. And there were some people there that were saying, yeah, he's just gone. They've called paramedics and he's gone. And his wife was sitting next to him. She didn't speak English, but she was crying and, and, and shaking him. And I'm sure, you know, in a state of, of disbelief. And so uh, as everybody was kind of saying, oh, what can we do? What can we do? Obviously, there's not a whole lot that you can do except pray, right? 
And so as we stood there, we couldn't get out. The, the, the crowd wouldn't let us out. But as we stood there, my friend and I, all of a sudden, the crowd opened up and there was a path for me to just squeeze in there to pray for the man. So I just walked in and I didn't actually pray for him. I just kind of squeezed through the people and I picked up his face and I looked into his dead staring eyes and I said, you come back now in Jesus' name. And when I said that, his wife turned her head and looked at me. Now, she didn't understand English, but she said, yes, in Jesus' name, yes. She understood that, okay? So husbands, you need to be nice to your wives because they might be the only one there to come into agreement for you, okay? All right? <laughs> she said, yes, in Jesus' name. And so I said it again. We came into agreement, and I said, you come back now in Jesus' name. And in front of about 20 people, as God is my witness, that man took a deep breath. <gasps> Life came back into him. He blinked his eyes, and God brought him back from the dead. Amen? I believe it's significant that the first opportunity I ever had to raise somebody from the dead was not in Africa, it was not in South America, it was not in some far off country, it was right here in Great Britain. And I believe that it's a sign that God is saying, I'm getting ready to bring some things that look dead back to life, amen? How many believe that that's the word of the Lord for your nation? How many believe that's the word of the Lord for the church in this nation? Do you believe that that can be the word of the Lord even for your own family. Come on. God wants to revive us. God wants to revive our vision. He wants to revive our heart. And he wants to begin to do a new work inside of us. I will tell you that right after we got a chance to raise the man from the dead, uh, they threw us out of the theater, okay? Um, so people don't always appreciate what you do, but I will tell you that his wife kept watching us and blowing us kisses and pointing up. Come on, she knew that God had just intervened and changed their lives forever, amen? Do you believe that God could actually use you? We actually had a, a, one of our Bible college students that saw me do a little testimony about this on Facebook. And you know what she said? She said, if Pastor Jane can do that, I can do that. Lord, give me an opportunity to do that. I told her later, I said, you know what you just prayed for, right? <laughs> you just prayed that somebody would drop dead, okay? <laughs> Be careful what you pray for. Anyway, about two months later, she was in a Zumba class. Do you guys have Zumba over here? Okay, if I went to Zumba, I would be the one on the floor, okay? That's not really my gift, all right? But, but as she was at Zumba, a lady had a massive heart attack. The paramedics came. They were doing the chest compressions on her. They were doing the defibrillation on her. And as they did that, um, the, the, they were looking at each other. They were saying, no, she's gone. She's gone. And all of a sudden, she, the crowd was staring and watching this go on. And she heard the Lord say, this is what you prayed for. She goes, oh. <laughs> so she just went over and she said, I'm just going to pray. And she put her hand on the woman's shoulder and she said, in Jesus' name, live. And when she said, in Jesus' name, live, that lady in front of the paramedics that had been working on her for quite some time, all of a sudden she took a deep breath. <gasps> and she took a breath and came back to life, got up, got off the floor. Come on, this girl wasn't a preacher. She was, she's a mom with three small kids at home that loves Zumba, and God used her to raise somebody from the dead. How many believe that God wants to blow our minds during this season of time? And I believe God wants to do more miracles outside the church than he even wants to do on the inside of the church. Amen? And if that's going to happen, that means he's going to have to use you and I. How many are willing? 
Okay, we're not praying for somebody to drop dead in front of us right now, but we are praying that wherever there's an opportunity for God to be glorified, that we would say, God, please use me, amen? Now listen, this word revival, it means to recover from financial depression. How many wanna see some of that? It means to renew and restore the mind. Come on, lay hands on your mind. Father, I pray right now, God, that there would be an anointing to renew and restore the mind. And Father, that you would even cause us to have out-of-the-box creative thoughts. Lord, there's business people that are here today. If you're a business person, uh, you own your own business, or you'd like to own your own business, I want you to stand to your feet. Father, I thank you, God, that part of revival is giving us creative, out-of-the-box ways of thinking, Father, that will take us to a whole new level a whole new place of prospering, a whole new place of kingdom endeavors. Father, I thank you, God, that you're breaking us out of where we've been in the past so that you can loose us and launch us into a brand new day. God, we thank you, Father, that even now, God, that there's an anointing of creativity, that even as you're the God of creativity, the God that created the heavens and the earth, Father God, you're going to release creative ideas, innovative thinking, Father, out-of-the-box inventions, Father, Lord, even to the people that are gathered here, Lord, that even out of Dudley, Father, where there was a rich business community, Father God, that there is going to be even a resurgence and a revival of uh, of wealth creation in this city, Father, that is going to bring people in, Lord, to this area because the business community is thriving. Now, Father, we thank you, God, that you're shifting something in the spirit, Father God, that tries to sit as a cloak of heaviness over this city, Father God, that you're penetrating it with your light and your life, and you're going to cause your kingdom business people to go to a new level. God, we decree it, and I want you to just say, I receive it in Jesus' name. Now give the Lord a shout. Amen. Hallelujah. So there's just so much that's involved with this anointing for revival. I will say on a personal level, if there's ever been a time in your life where you felt more in love with Jesus than you do right now, you need revival. If you've ever heard the voice of God easier than you can hear him right now, you need revival. Come on, if you've ever felt more encouraged than you do now, God's saying, I want to bring revival to you. So just put your hand on your belly right now. Father, I thank you, God, that you're bringing an awakening. God, you're tearing down every veil of separation, which you did at the cross, Lord. And Father, we are entering into a place of free access into your throne room. God, you're going to encourage us. You're going to be intimate with us. You're going to draw us close to you, Father. And Lord, we are going to hear your voice to a whole new level in this new season. God, you're bringing us revival, God. Lord, you're bringing us out of a place, God, where we have not been able to hear clearly into a place, Father God, where we intimately know your voice, Father, for Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So, Father, we thank you, God, that there's a prophetic release that's coming upon each and every one that's here, dreams and visions and the ability to hear the voice of God and prophesy what God is saying, Lord. We release it on this very prophetic house now in Jesus' name. Amen. Just clap your hands to the Lord. Amen. Now, 
I want to I want to give you a scripture out of Matthew chapter ten, verse forty and forty one, and I think that this is really interesting uh, because this is the scripture that Anna used to introduce us, and it's about the prophet's reward. And I believe that this house, and I think even this nation, is coming into a time of receiving a prophet's reward. So I want to just take a couple minutes to explain that. I had a, a vision last year, and uh, I saw this old ancient gate, kind of an old medieval gate, and it was firmly locked up. Now, we were in uh, 5778 at the time, the, the Hebraic year, and in, in, the he, in the Hebrew, the eight is a picture of a gate. How many, how many have heard that, okay? It was the picture of a gate. And the Lord gave us the scripture, Tom and I, the scripture out of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, where God says, I have set a great open door before you for an effective work. How many have heard the scripture? I've set a great open door before you for an effective work, and there are many adversaries. I know I could have gone all day without adding that last little part, right? But God is setting a great new open door, a great new season, a great time of opportunity before his church, before his people in this season. And he says, you may have to deal with some adversaries, but keep in mind that Jesus defeated the adversary when he hung on the cross, amen? All we've got to do is enforce that victory. That's what spiritual warfare is. It's enforcing the victory that Jesus paid for when he died on the cross, amen? And so in this, in this vision that I saw, I saw a locked up gate. It was not open, it was closed. But as I watched, I saw a huge battering ram began to slam against the gate over and over and over again. And the first thing that happened is that it shattered the lock, it shattered the chains, then it actually destroyed the hinges that were on the door, so the door fell down flat. How many believe God speaks in visions? Okay? So what God was saying is, I am I am battering open those things that have been closed to you. I'm battering open those things that have uh, been limited against you for this new season. And that as you enter in with this new anointing, you're going to find that I'm going to give you full access to that which is on the other side. How many believe there's some things on the other side for you? Amen. And as I saw this battering ram hammering up against the gate, I thought of Jeremiah 23, 29, that says, where the Lord says, is not my word like a fire? Come on, revival fires. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? This is the time to take the word of the Lord and use it like a hammer to break open the closed places and break the hard place into pieces. Amen? But the final part of this vision that I thought was so fascinating to me is as I watched, I realized that written on this battering ram were the words, prophet's reward. Now, We've been in the prophetic movement. My, my husband's father, uh, Dr. Bill Hammond, is actually considered to be the father of the modern prophetic movement. So we've kind of been in this prophetic movement since the beginning. But I don't know that I had ever really studied out the prophet's reward. And so, of course, this comes from Matthew chapter 10, verse 40 and 41, where Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the one that sent me. And if you receive me, you receive the one 
that has sent me. And then he says this, and if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, then you shall receive a prophet's reward. And I started thinking about that scripture and I started thinking, well, Lord, what exactly is a prophet's reward? And I felt like the Lord said, well, it's the way that I rewarded my prophets. See, blonde, right? That's how God talks to me. Very simple. So I started thinking, how did God reward the prophets? Well, Moses was a prophet, and it says he saw God face to face. How many, how many believe that that's part of the reward? Seeing God face to face. David was a prophet. He was a prophet of breakthrough. Samuel was a prophet, and it said not one of his words fell to the ground. Elijah and Elisha were prophets. Elijah called down fire from heaven and everything Elisha did confronted death and darkness everywhere he went. We could teach on that for quite some time, but let me just say, God is saying, I am activating the prophet's reward in the hearts of my people who have received the prophetic voice of God. How many here believe that God's speaking today? How many believe that God speaks through prophets? How many believe God speaks through dreams, through visions? How many believe he speaks through his word? How many believe he speaks to you in a still, small voice? Amen? And so as I looked at this scripture, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. And I realized something that I think is very significant. Um, back in October of last year, 2018, in the new Hebraic year, 5779, which I will say that the, the nine of this Hebraic year really indicates a new season of birthing. Okay? How many feel like you're carrying something in the spirit that needs to be birthed? Come on, if your hand's not up, then I encourage you, get in the presence of God and get a hold of him because he wants to impregnate you with fresh vision so that you can come into birthing for this new season. Amen? And so as I was, as I was looking at this, and I saw that October of 2018 actually was going to mark the 30th anniversary of the birth of the prophetic movement in the earth. It happened at our place, it happened in Asia, it happened in Europe, continental Europe, it happened in Africa, that there were phenomenal outpouring meetings that happened in October of 1988 where God's voice was released and people clearly indicated God saying, I am birthing a new prophetic movement. Now let me help you to understand why that's so significant for where we are today and I believe where this church is today. Because, um, number one, before 1988, how many were in the kingdom of God before 1988? Okay, so before 1988, if you said you were a prophet, people wanted to take you out and stone you. I mean, that people did not really think that there were modern day prophets. If you said you heard from God, they thought you had a mental condition. Seriously. People did not, it was not widely accepted that God is still speaking today. But how many here today can say, you believe God is still speaking, and wave your hand at me if you feel like God's spoken to you? Come on. Before 1988, this was not a casual, uh, not a, a normal thing for people to admit. But since 1988, the voice of God has gone throughout every denomination, every Christian denomination, and God has spoken to people from all kinds of Christian backgrounds. And he's even spoken to some unbelievers to try to bring them into a place 
of knowing God. Amen. How many are so glad for the voice of God in our lives? Amen. And so the significance of it being the 30th year is so important when you look at Hebraic culture. In the Hebrew culture, a priest was not anointed and ordained for his priesthood until he was 30 years old. A young man was not anointed and sent to war until he was 30 years old. Ezekiel the prophet was not anointed to his prophetic ministry until he was 30 years old. It was a significant time that indicated maturity and a readiness for leadership. See, God is saying, I've matured the prophetic over the last 30 years, and I'm getting ready to make my prophetic people leaders in their community. Listen to this too. It also indicates acceleration and, and fulfillment of prophetic words that you've had that have seemed to take a long time to come to pass. How many have a few of those? Come on, our, our, my father-in-law, Bishop Hammond, is um, 84 years old. He'll be 85 this year. And do you know what? He's still pressing in and finding that God is still fulfilling words that God spoke to him 65 years ago when he was ordained for ministry. How many, you're kind of like, wow, God, I hope it doesn't take me 65 years, right? I know, I know that's kind of a, a dual statement, okay? But listen to this. In, in, when David received a prophecy, you're going to be king, he received it as a teenager. But do you know he wasn't anointed king until he became 30 years old? Joseph received a prophecy from the Lord through a dream about greatness in leadership, but, and, and he was only 17 years old when he received that. But you know, he didn't step in to his role as right-hand man to Pharaoh until he was 30 years old. See, this is an indicator that there's a new thing that is coming in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's a new thing that's coming with the, with the prophetic outpouring so that each and every one of you are going to come to a new level of hearing the voice of God. And let me tell you, when God speaks, things happen. As a matter of fact, Jesus didn't step into his earthly ministry until he was what age? 30 years old because in the Hebrew culture it was thought that a man was not ready to assume his father's business until he was 30 years old. It's a very significant time in the spirit. Now as I looked at this word in, uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 10, I actually found that there's two completely different words for this word receive. There's the first one where it says if you receive a prophet, or if you receive a prophecy, or if you receive the voice of God in your life. This is the word decomai, D-E-C-H-O-M-A-I, decomai. And decomai has this connotation. It means if you love it, if you embrace it, if you bring it into, into your heart and nurture it, if you bring it into your own home and make a place for it, so what is God saying? If you decomai, decomai looks like this in a picture form. Decomai looks like a giant hug. If you decomai, the prophetic voice of God. Come on, do that with me. If you love it, if you embrace it, if you bring it into your life, if you bring it into your home, if you bring it into your church and make a place for it, come on, Revival Fires has made a place for the voice of God. Revival Fires has built a room in this house, has built a place in this house where it's a part of your church culture. God says, if you do that, then you will receive 
a prophet's reward. You will lambano a prophet's reward. Now, this is not decomai. Okay, we've been in the decomai move for the last 30 years. God, speak to us. God, God, uh, uh, give me a word. God, uh, minister to me. God, let me, let me receive your presence. God, let me receive y- your joy. How many know that feels good? But there's something that's shifting. And God is saying we're no longer only in decomai, but we're coming into a lambano season. Here's what lambano means. Lambano means to lay hold of, to seize, to aggressively pursue and go after, to grab it and take it as your own. Come on, lambano looks like this. Come on. We receive the word of the Lord and then we lambano the reward that comes from hearing God's voice. Listen, David got a word from God. He decomai the word that says you're going to be king. But when he went out on the battlefield against Goliath, there was something different. He didn't just stand out on the battlefield and go, oh, thank you, Lord, for that word. No, no, no. He lambano that promise, laid hold of the promise, and he made it his own. That's why when he went out against Goliath, (laughs) we see that, that Goliath prophesied to David. Did you know that the devil will prophesy to you? He will try to tell you all the doom and gloom about your future. He will try to tell you all the doom and gloom about your nation's future. Come on. That's what, that's how the devil sounds when he prophesies. And the, and this is what Goliath said. He said, who is this little pipsqueak of a boy that you send out against me? And then he's prophesies. He says this, he says this day, I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air. So you know what David does? He prophesies right back. Listen, when the devil starts getting in your head and starts prophesying to you about your doom and your gloom and your failure and your fear, open your mouth and start prophesying right back to the devil. (laughs) This is what David said. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that you would defy the armies of the living God? This, he said, you come at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord of hosts. This day, come on, he's prophesying, this day I'm going to take your head from you and I'm going to feed your flesh to all the birds of the air that all the world will know that there is a God in Israel. Hallelujah. Come on, we got to start saying, this is what God is going to do, that all the world will know that the God that we've served and that we've loved is alive and well in Great Britain, alive and well and pouring out miracles, alive and well and doing a new thing in this land. I believe there's a prophet's reward because I believe this land has had so much prophecy coming over it. And there's so many people that have been decomai, the word of the Lord. But I want to challenge you over the next month to lambano the word of the Lord. Come on, lambano the word for your family. Lambano the word for your breakthrough. Part of the prophet's reward is an anointing for breakthrough. How many of you need some breakthrough? Come on. I really believe that we're in a time that God's saying, if you'll activate the prophetic word, if you'll let it be in your mouth like a weapon... Come on, like a weapon. Then God's going to show up and show off for you. If you want to write down the reference to 2 Kings chapter 4, I just want to point out the story of the Shunammite woman. 
because this is a birthing year, I want to point out the story of the Shunammite woman. Matter of fact, I'll read it to you because some of you won't believe that you've been in church unless somebody reads. <laughs> I've already given you about 100 scriptures, but I'm going to read one for you. Okay, 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 8. How many of you need a miracle? How many of you need a miracle um, that money cannot buy? Come on, a miracle that no matter how much money you had, it doesn't matter, it's, you know, you need a miracle money cannot buy. How many of you need a miracle money can buy? That's good too, okay? <laughs> God's gonna do both, all right? God's gonna do both, it's okay to ask for both. And I wanna read to you about the Shunammite because I believe we're in this incredible season. It says, now it happened one day, verse eight, that Elisha went to Shunam where there was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. What was she doing? She was making a room for the prophet. She was, let's do it this way. She was making room for the prophetic voice of God. Listen, this church has made room for the prophetic voice of God. And God is saying, have you made room in your house, in your business, in your workplace? Have you made room that the prophetic anointing can come and dwell with you? See, she was saying, you know what? I'm no longer happy just to receive from a prophet when a prophet comes to town. I want the prophet to live with me. How many want God's prophetic anointing to live with you? Amen? So she built this room, this place of God's presence, of his power, of his, of, of, his, of his, his presence in her house and in her life. And it says in verse 11, and it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and he lay down there. And he said to Gehazi's servant, call the Shunammite woman. And when he called her, she stood before him. And, and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned with us with all this care that you've given us. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people, which is basically to say, no, I don't really need anything. Listen, if God comes to you and says, what can I do for you? That is the wrong answer. Come on. You should always have that which you're contending for. You should always have that which you're believing for. You should always have the miracle that you're pressing in to Lombano from the Lord. Amen? And so she, she says, basically, no, I don't need anything. So he said, well, what can we do for her then? And Gehazi answered and said, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So you see the problem here, <laughs> okay? She's barren and her husband's old. It looks like a hopeless situation. Come on, this is a year of birthing. This is a year that God wants us to produce things that we maybe even thought it was past our time. That circumstances have shifted to the place that hopes and dreams from past seasons have died. And God is saying, 
It's a year of revival. I'm going to bring dead things back to life. I'm going to bring dead hopes back to life. I'm going to bring dead dreams back to life. I'm going to bring dead visions back to life. God is saying, I want you to understand and have an expectation. When a woman's pregnant, she's said to be expecting. Is that right? We are to be expecting this year. What are you expecting God to do? I will tell you, the Shunammite inspires me because she expected nothing. And God still did a miracle for her. Come on. (laughs) So he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Remember, we started with that open doorway. God is saying, this year, you've got to stand in the doorway of your miracle, and you've got to step over the threshold and say, I'm coming out of the past. I'm coming out of survival. I'm coming out of a place where my heart's been broken. I'm coming out of a place where I've been disappointed time and again, and I'm stepping through that doorway, and I'm stepping in to a brand new day of fulfillment and promise being realized. That is the prophet's reward. (laughs) He says to her, Here's your prophetic word. About this time next year, you're going to embrace a son. Look how she responds. She cracks me up. And she says, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. In modern vernacular, she was saying, prophet, don't mess with me. Come on, prophet, don't mess with me. How many know God wants to mess with us this year? (laughs) God wants us to raise our expectations. It says, but the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come. I want you just to hop to your feet for just a second, and we're gonna stand in that doorway. Because some of you need a miracle. A lot of hands went up, and you said that you needed a miracle. I want you, right, wherever you are, I know some of you are in chairs, but I want you to step through the doorway. Come on, I want you to step out of the past. I want you to step out of survival. I want you to step out of disappointment. I want you to step out of brokenheartedness. And I want you to step through that doorway into the new day and throw your hands up in the air and begin to thank the Lord that this is going to be a year where you're going to begin to see the the promises of God begin to come to pass in your life over your family, over your finances, over your health, over your future, over your legacy, over your destiny. Promises that God has made you. God is, is, is sowing in the seed of activation and reviving those prophetic words. You might have gotten prophesied over 10 years ago or 20 years ago or God might have spoken something to you decades ago. God is saying now is the time. Now is the time that I'm going to begin to open up your barren womb and I'm going to begin to birth that which I have promised says the Lord. Give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. So, so this woman, you got to understand, she had this cycle of hopelessness month after month, year after year. God broke her free from the cycle of disappointment. How many believe God wants to break you free from the cycle? One of the things about this year in the Hebrew indicates a breaking out of an old cycle and breaking into the new. I don't know if that excites you. It excites me. Amen. But you know, the story goes on and... We know that the young boy grew up and he went out to the field working with his father. And as he was working with his father, he grabs his head and he says, my head, my head. And he fell over dead. They brought him into his mother. 
And rather than just click into mourning, you know what that woman did? She's a tough chick, let me tell you, the Shunammite. She takes her dead son. She, de- she takes her dead promise. And because she has built a place in her house to go up to, she carries him up and she lays him on the bed of the prophet. Listen, if we haven't built a place to go up to, when crisis comes, our only other choice then is to go down into depression, into disappointment, into despair, and into hopelessness. But if we build a place to go up to, we have a place to carry our promise to, to carry that prophetic word to. And it says the woman went out and she shut the door. Sometimes we've got to shut the door on grief and activate our faith. Here's what the Shunammite did. She lambano the word of the Lord. Come on, she received this word, but now it's time to aggressively go after and pursue. And she chased down the prophet. She grabbed a hold of him, literally grabbed his leg, and he goes, uh, go with my servant. She goes, as I live, my Lord, I am not leaving you. You will come to my house. You will raise my son from the dead. She had attitude. <laughs> and she brought the prophet, and we know the prophet raised her son from the dead. I don't think that would have happened had she not been persistent, had she not lambano the word of the Lord. A lot of times the church just reminisces about the word of the Lord. Father, thank you for that good word. But 1 Timothy 1.18 says sometimes we've got to war a warfare with the prophetic word that's come over our life. We've got to fight with that prophetic word and we've got to pull it out of the supernatural into the natural, out of the future and into the now and say, God, I need the miracle now. I don't know if this happened before or after I was with you last time, but um, our oldest daughter, she uh, lives in New York City. Um, She was actually diagnosed with having two aneurysms inside her brain sac on her brain. Very serious diagnosis. And the doctor said if either one of the aneurysms ruptures, it would probably kill her instantly. She had this death decree over her life. But you know what else she had? A whole bunch of prophetic words that God had spoken to her. A whole bunch of prophetic promises. So we began to war of warfare based on what God said instead of what the natural circumstances and the doctors said. And we began to war for her future. She went back. She got more tests done. And when they did more tests, the diagnosis got worse. The doctor said, it kind of looks like one of these aneurysms is getting ready to rupture. And he said, listen, it's not in an operable place in her brain. I don't think there's anything that I can do. Sometimes when we war a warfare, sometimes things get worse before they get better. Okay? That's just sometimes, and we've got to press past that and lambano the word of the Lord. Come on, some things might get crazy in your nation for a short time, but we've got to lambano the word of the Lord that God said that he's in this, that he's shifting things because he wants to breathe on this land again. Amen? You may face some difficult times in your, in your own life. Come on, lambano the word of the Lord and don't give up. 
I flew up to New York and our, our daughter went in for a test where they put a camera up in her brain just to see if there was any possible way forward to see if they could actually intervene in some way. And when we went up there, I prayed with the doctor, who's a good Jewish man, and uh, prayed with the doctor, and he was very sad. He was like, I'm sorry, Mom. I don't know if there's anything I can do. This is a very sad situation for one that's so young. And so he went in and he did the procedure, and he came out about an hour and a half later and got me in the waiting room. He says, Mom, come here. And he took me back into the room where my daughter was laying in, in recovery, and all these pictures, images of her brain were on the wall. And the doctor pointed to the images and he said, Mom, there are no aneurysms on your daughter's brain. Come on. Supernatural miracle. A miracle we needed that money could not buy. And I'm telling you, if God will do that for us, then God will do that for you. God wants to bring back to life. He wants to spark revival in our hope. He wants to spark revival in our faith. He wants to begin to breathe fresh life into prophetic promises that have been over our lives and over our families. And if you've got a promise you've been warring and contending over, I want you just to jump to your feet because we want to just speak a word and we want to just decree to you that now is the time to see the prophetic promises of God come to pass. And if you know that that's you, you know that you're in a place that you need that. I want you just to get out of your seats. We've only got about five minutes, but I want you just to come to this front area here because I just believe that this is a new time, that things are shifting, that things are coming into a brand new season. Just lift up your hands because, you know, when you receive the decomai, that which you say, I'm making room for the prophetic. I receive the word of the Lord. I receive what God decrees over my nation, over my life, over my city, over my family. But then we have to also, as the Shunammite had to at times, kind of lift up our hand a little higher and say because I have made a place for the prophetic and the word of the Lord in my life I also can lay claim to the reward you said if I can honor the prophetic and receive it and make room then I also can lay claim to that which you want to give and so father as we lift up our hands I say in the name of Jesus I'm breaking every assignment of disappointment and grief every assignment that's trying to say because it has hasn't worked in a latter time or day that it won't happen now. Father the Shunammite had a time that you said I don't care how long you felt barren, how long it felt like that you have lived this way it's a new day and now I want you to know I'm here to answer that prayer and that dream and so we lift up our hands and we say we lambano the reward of the Lord we lay claim to the promises of God. We say the dream will live. We prophesy to dry bones and say it's time to come alive for the army of God to arise. It's time for the dream and the vision to come into fruition. It's time for the prophet's reward to be loosed and received in my life. Give the Lord a shout of agreement. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Put your hand on your belly and just say revival. Put your hand on your mind and say revival. Put your hand in the air and say revival. Because God is going to blow your minds in this next season with his miracles and his power and his provision in Jesus' name. Amen. Give somebody a high five and say be revived. Hallelujah.